This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Curtis Lewa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. I might say, uh, in addition, we're broadcasting from the Bernard McGurk Studios here at 77 WABC. The Animal Welfare Hour is exclusive to WABC. And if I can ever get all the people who work in the video department, of which uh, I don't know what they do all day, to actually sit with us, Nancy, we will have a video out uh, each week dealing with the Animal Welfare Hour, and um, hopefully I can pin them down if they ever bother actually doing any work back there. Uh, so it may take me this week, Nancy. No, no, I, I, I look forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and let me uh, make mention what it is. is old-fashioned TV. How many of you were mesmerized whenever Johnny Carson or any of the late-night hosts or hostesses would have an expert who would come in and bring the animals and describe to uh, you uh, the problems that animals have, the importance of animals in our community, and how to take good care of them. We'll be doing that exclusively here at WABC uh, this week. Uh, I will be bending legs and stuffing it in people's <laughs> pockets to make sure that happens. But let's get right into it. There's a lot of animal news, uh, Nancy. First off, if you can give everybody an update as to how your site challenged uh, recovery is. Well, I mean, I am on the road to recovery. So the good news is that, uh, you know, I'm definitely addressing what I need to address um, on a regimen now. And hopefully within a few weeks, everything should be at least not causing any like immediate issues for me. But this will be, you know, easily like a several-month process, and from there it's just having to monitor uh, general eye care, like, um, like for instance, not wearing the contact lenses uh, at all going forward. Yeah, in fact, a number of people have mentioned that to me, that they had a similar problem with temporary loss of sight because of constantly wearing contact lenses. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's certainly not something that, um, you know, you're being advised of even as you go, you know, yearly to, you know, to get your lenses or to get your exam. And, you know, I'm I'm kind of surprised that that isn't really mentioned more often. Like, oh, you're getting a prescription. I see how long you've been wearing them. You know, like that conversation really doesn't seem to come up, certainly not with um the people who are who are selling you the contact lenses, unfortunately. And a high five to Dr. Mikolos. Uh, you hear him oftentimes on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion with John Katsimatidis, and uh, oftentimes uh, as a contributor in other ways. He's an ophthalmologist. Uh, when you had that emergency, when you couldn't see anything, he immediately hooked us up at Columbia Presbyterian, and uh, now you are able to actually get back to where you have control of your sight again. 
Yeah, so now, yeah, so, uh, you know, th- thankfully I was able to, um, you know, go right away that day. Uh, you know, you had rushed home and we went right there and, you know, he had waited. So, you know, that was helpful. And, uh, you know, and obviously, you know, we just had to continue forward. But, you know, the good news is there seems to be a, a light at the end of the tunnel. And y- hopefully soon you won't have to refer to me as Helen Keller. Correct. Although that first doctor, a German, was wearing an ascot. He looked like he was right out of a Humphrey Bogart movie. <laughs> yes, that, that's true. He was so good. He was so good. Thank you, Dr. Mikolos, and thanks uh, to all those who have uh, inquired in terms of how Nancy's doing. Let's uh, talk about the oldest living dog in the world called Spike. Uh, can you tell us something about Spike and also the normal average length that dogs and cats live? Um, yeah, so, so um, you know, there's uh, Guinness Book of World Records, which, uh, you know, uh, indicates, like, who the oldest living pet is. And uh, recently, Spike has uh, become the oldest um, living pet. It's a dog who is anticipated to be, I think, 23 years old. It's like a chihuahua mix. And apparently it was a rescue dog that uh, came to this couple at about 10 years of age. And now this is uh, the oldest living dog on record. So uh, that, so that's the dog spike. But in terms of, like, average lifespan for dogs, like around 10 to 13 years. So being 23 years old is... Uh, certainly quite old for a dog, uh, you know, and, you know, as compared to cats who live indoors, um, now they live longer, maybe like 12 to 18 years. And uh, give us an idea of the difference between a cat's life when they're indoors, domestic cat, and a cat's life when they're outdoors, a feral cat. Well, th- there's a there's a tremendous difference, and actually it, it really uh, brings home this problem with having so many cats living outdoors who aren't fixed so when they're living outdoors it's around two to five years is their uh, lifespan and that has a lot to do with uh, just the fact that their immune system gets really compromised when they live outdoors so uh, you know every season that comes along they're going to get you know more apt to be sick Uh, if it's uh, male cats you know they're fighting female cats they're having litters so there's a lot of things that uh, cause their immunity to be compromised, and then you know, not to mention just uh, general dangers, right? So if they have anything happen to them, um, you know, they have to heal outdoors. But in terms of New York City, so there's roughly about a one half million stray cats uh, in New York City, right? That's like a rough estimate, obviously. Now, the another um, you know unintended consequence having all of these cats who live outdoors, the kitten mortality rate is of 75%. So that means 75% of the kittens who are born outdoors, they don't make it past six months. So if you go with the existing amount of cats right now outdoors, and like strays, half a million, that means one and a half million of, of the kittens, they perished as kittens before they made it to six months. I mean, and this is the needless suffering that continues to happen because these cats who live outdoors aren't spayed and neutered by the city. So these numbers are massive and, I mean, really equate to an an immense amount of pain for 
young, tiny kittens that can be addressed if they start approaching this intelligently. Now, question. Uh, we talked about feral cats. Uh, we made an offer uh, to Mayor Eric Adams uh, for me to uh, function as the rat czar. I said I would do it at nights from 10 to 4 in the morning, no pay, because that's when the rats, the mice, the rodents are out and the feral cats are out. And uh, I see the mayor uh, has decided not to appoint a rat czar yet. I don't know what he's waiting for because he's got a huge problem with all the NYCHA facilities. Can you give us the latest on how bad the rat problem is in the public housing projects? Oh, okay. So, yeah, so in NYCHA, now there are more complaints going on in NYCHA in this past year than they've had. Um, yeah, it's a 2,500 at the start of last year, 7,500 at the start of this year. So they're referring to, uh, you know, this one story was highlighting this one particular um, uh, NYCHA facility, Elliott Chelsea Houses. So they've had an increase in the amount of tenants who are calling about the rat problems and the rat infestations, and they're not being addressed, right? So they have this waiting period. And the the problem with this is that they've had since June of last year, 62 times they've had the pest companies um, on the facility putting down the uh, rat poisons, the rat baits, and it hasn't worked. And, in fact, according to the tenants, it's exacerbated the problem. So you have, uh, you know, th- this clearly this facility is is trying to address the problem. It's actually under what the uh, mayor's rat mitigation plan is. So it's doing everything according to what the city planning is for trying to keep the rats out, and the problem's gotten worse. And so now what they're trying to do is they're trying to put a large portion of the budget toward, in the next six years, getting uh, garbage cans and increasing uh, compactors and the facility. They want to put almost half of the budget for the next six years toward addressing this composting and this uh, trash problem on NYCHA facilities. So you can imagine how many other problems are going to result as, you know, because of this consequence, them focusing half of the budget on the rats. Well, let's uh, just look at the largest public housing project. We worked with the cat rescuing group there, Queensbridge, It's the largest public housing project in America. It's so big, it's in two sections. Uh, It's in the shadow of the 59th Street Bridge, a.k.a. the Queensboro Bridge, a.k.a. the Ed Koch Bridge. Why can't they just call that bridge by one name? And uh, the women and men who were rescuing the cats had to actually almost do battle with NYCHA because they weren't allowing the cats freedom to roam the facility. Am I correct? Yeah, exactly. Correct. So, I mean, and this is another example of when uh, the city really drops the ball on working with people who are, you know, locally doing the right thing and exactly what they need. So, I mean, even in here, I mean, talk about waving the white flag. In this particular facility, they said, well, we can't even trust that now uh, we can have grass there. So they've actually pulled up all of the grass and all of the, uh, you know, anything that's sort of a, where the kids can play at. So, and they're putting down concrete in its place because that's one attempt at remediation, even though they realize it's not going to 
resolve the problem because it's long term. But again, now all of the people who live there are no longer going to have access to trees and greenery that used to be there because this is how they're deciding to handle the problem, put down concrete. Well, I'll tell you what, Nancy, uh, as the self-appointed uh, rat czar at night, uh, I will visit the Chelsea Projects. I know it well. The Wayan brothers actually uh, come out of that. The guys who created Living Color and have become big movie stars, they actually uh, uh, got their, their start there in the Chelsea Projects. I, I know there are huge rats there because it's right near the West Side Highway and the wharf rats. And uh, as uh, the self-appointed uh, rat czar of New York City at night, I'll see if... Uh, I can convince them to house and to care for a colony of feral cats because they're certainly not getting any results from the city. Oh, absolutely. All right, now up to the Bronx, the boogie down Bronx. Tell me that I wasn't having shrooms or a psychedelic attack. Dolphins in the Bronx River? I mean, look, when I started the Guardian Angels, February 13th will be our 44th anniversary. Bronx River had dead bodies in it. Had all kinds of toxins and had the wrecks of cars that had been stolen the night before. They took out everything of value and pushed the cars in the Bronx River. There are now dolphins in the Bronx River? Yeah, so apparently there there have been sightings of at least uh, several dolphins swimming around the river. So this is a good sign because they haven't been seen in this particular area for it seems like decades at this point. So, you know, at this point they're observing them and they're trying not to get too close and uh, give them their space. So, you know, where they wind up, you know, we'll eventually find out. But what's kind of interesting is they're, you know, obviously instructing people to stay away from them and to give them the room. But, you know, and they're protected by these marine wildlife laws. And part of those laws say you shouldn't be feeding the dolphins, right? Because then they'll be, uh, you know, like uh, used to humans and they won't have their natural abilities. But I could see that definitely being a problem, right? People are so attracted now to the dolphins swimming so close, so they want to feed them. So they're trying to tell people don't feed the dolphins in case you're so inclined to do so. Wow. People are leaving the Bronx, going to Florida, but the dolphins are coming back into the Bronx through the Bronx River. What a... What a, a turn of events. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And part of the reason for that is that our tributaries, our rivers, uh, the water uh, of the Hudson River, the East River, the Harlem River, have gotten so much cleaner over the years because uh, we have prevented people from poisoning the water with toxins and everything else that there are whales now. At times you can look out in the Hudson River and see a whale, but there's also been a series of whales who have come ashore who have died. Uh, the most recent ones were uh, outside of Atlantic City and Brigantine, which is a neighborhood right next to it. Uh, Frank Morano did not stop shooting craps at the Borgata the uh, day that that uh, whale came ashore. You've done a deep dive on this because there are a lot of different theories of why so many whales are coming ashore who are dying. What have you determined? You know what, this, yeah, this is something that I think we're, we're definitely going to have to be continuing to follow for, uh, you know, an extended period of time. Because what's going on is, you know, they're, they're starting to uh, build the, uh, you know, the wind uh, turbines 
And these are right off of the shorelines of New Jersey and also New York, like a little bit of Long Island. So in December, the U.S. government, uh, I think it's like um, Department of Interior, they wound up auctioning off, believe it or not, the rights to all of this, you know, ocean area. And so now the, these are, this is where these um, turbines are being developed. And the connection with the construction occurring and the whales winding up on shore is clearly be, you know, is being stated by everyone who has anything to do with this project, obviously, as, well, there is no connection, right? I mean, that's obviously going to be the standard answer. But the cause and effect is really what is being called out. Like, this work started, and now this is happening. So they don't really have an answer to this, and they're and they're going full speed ahead. So, for instance, uh, you know this this sale of a lot of this offshore, um, this waterway land, uh, you know, it happened back in December. So now this is being developed. Now, so for instance, California is doing the same thing with developing uh, wind turbines, but they're doing it in a different manner, and you know, by all uh, you know objectives in a, in a much different way. That's much more cognizant of uh, marine. Uh, wildlife here what's going on in off the shore of New Jersey seems like they're doing it very irresponsibly and no one's being held accountable for what's going on or even providing oversight or providing any um, environmental impacts or or anything so this is a problem that it's being rushed through and there's really no advocates um, on behalf of the animal so again you have I mean, you know, when you think about it, in New Jersey, the, the, one of the biggest 75% um, contributors of this, um, you know, renewable energy wind turbo, uh, turbine company is owned by uh, the, the government of Sweden. I mean, you have, like, another government who's making, who has um, influence on decisions going on in Jersey because this is their business now. So, you know, this has to, you know, um, you have to be really cognizant of what's going on here. And there's like a lack of control and oversight. So these animals, really, I think you're going to see a lot more of these animals starting to wash up on shores. And I think the direct link is going to take, you know, a while before it gets admitted. But this is going to go on for a long time. And I think you'll see the decline in populations of these these whales drastically. Our number is 1-800-848-9222, exclusive to WABC. This is the... Animal Welfare Hour, featuring my wife, Nancy, 1-800-848-WABC. And once uh, I actually get the attention of the massive number of people who work in our video department, of whom I don't know what the hell they do all week, uh, we will have a video out once a week uh, in which we will feature animals and all the things that folks can do to make uh, animal lives better and how you can make them even more uh, a, partici a participatory uh, agent, so to speak, in your home or in your place of business or if they happen to be outdoor animals. We can actually bring animals into the studio when we fill, uh, film these half-hour programs, and I will definitely lock it down this week, that's for sure. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Now, Nancy, uh, about a month ago, uh, you had shown me some film footage you had taken in Central Park where you and a number of bird watchers were amazed that an actual bald eagle was uh, up in the 
trees. I don't know if it was nesting, but you had great video. It was definitely a bald eagle. And now we're seeing a bald eagle who had to be euthanized on Long Island over avian uh, uh, flu uh, fears. Could it at all have been the same bald eagle? You know what? That that was the the first place that my mind went to that maybe this was because I think the appearance of a bald eagle is uh, somewhat rare in this area. So, and then the timing of it, because it was about two and a half, um, you know, weeks from when I had initially uh, seen the bald eagle. So it it was uh, located in South Haven Park in Shirley. And it wound up, you know, someone saw it, that it was in distress, and they wound up calling, um, it's called Evelyn Alexander Wildlife Rescue Center. It's out east. Um, you know, we've been there before as well, um, you know, uh, to things that they've done because, you know, they're very involved with animal wildlife, and there's not many places that are involved in, you know, avian wildlife. But by the time that the uh, bald eagle was rescued, it was it had to be euthanized. So... The testing isn't back on that, but they're suspecting it could be uh, uh, the avian flu, which is highly contagious. But, you know, I mean, again, it could also, if it was uh, in in Central Park, it was in New York City. Now, imagine if it had had anything to eat. Uh, it certainly could have been uh, rodenticide as well. So, I mean, the test, you know, will tell. Speaking of avian flu, it seems to be hammering uh, poultry all across the country uh, what has changed, and why are they killing so many millions of birds? You know, this this is really, um, like, amazing what's going on because, you know, when you think about the, the difference between what goes on with the human flu, the difference there, and uh, flu in animals. So it's like 5,000 people per year die. Last year alone, 58 million birds, right? So turkeys, chickens uh, were slaughtered because they had the bird flu. So this is a known thing that the birds can catch the flu. It's highly contagious. Uh, You know, once they get it, the entire uh, herd needs to be culled. This is why they're, they're just killing them so drastically. But the procedures that they put up in place for them are the weakest uh, procedures you could possibly imagine. Telling people, oh, just wipe down, uh, you know, wipe down the area and make sure that you don't just let strangers into your farm. And, you know, they basically put no protocols into protecting these birds and then they have to cull them. So and then just to put it in perspective, it's like out of 58 million. That's almost like if 20 percent of the U.S. population died from the flu every year, like there would be a priority in it. I mean, that's how much we're talking about with these these birds dying every year and they're they're continuing to not figure out how to make sure that they're not carrying the flu and that's assuming that what's getting into the food is not actually contaminated already Hmm. could it be because of these industrial style farms in which the birds have no room to move whatsoever they're almost like on each other's backs as they're being raised for slaughter that this becomes like an incubator for the expansion of the bird flu because this is not normal. They have no space. They're trapped in these uh, secluded areas, these cages. And I would think, I mean, if humans were housed that way, 
uh, our human flus would expand exponentially. I mean, and, and, and China recently, um, you know, announced plans that they're going to have a 27-floor uh, slaughter facility. So uh, to your point, yeah, you're, ha- you're housing animals in these unnatural environments, and, you know, you're clearly having to account for all these types of issues and everything that, you know, goes ultimately trickles downstream into what people consume as food when you can be focusing on things that are on, you know, natural foods or vegetables, why would you want to keep doubling down on this industry of meats when you clearly are lacking control and you look at how sick the meats are getting, look how sick the animals are getting, there's no, there's no ability to control this stuff. So it's like, you know, maybe you need to start rethinking what you want to focus on, what you want to prioritize. And I think, you know, if you start focusing on vegetables and and more natural, it's better for everybody. Now, speaking of China, I saw that the uh, tables were turned on uh, a slaughterhouse in which they were slaughtering pigs, of which there are many. In fact, uh, China now raises more pigs than any country in the world, and that includes Uh, the United States, where there are more pigs than people in Iowa and in North Carolina. Those are the two big hog-raising states. Uh, But explain to us what happened, because apparently, uh, I don't know if it was Napoleon uh, from uh, the famous uh, book uh, that was written about how Animal Farm, how when pigs prevail, but pigs were on the attack and they killed their butcher, right? (laughs) So, yeah, it's... um sort of like a when, when animals attack type story. So this uh, man who worked in a slaughterhouse, he, you, when the worker came in the next day, he was on the, the floor, he was, he was mortally wounded, and the pig had survived. So what had happened was when he tried to knock him out, the pig still was uh, kicking, and then he wound up kicking this guy who then fell on this cleaver who cut and then cut his foot and then wound up bleeding out. And he, yeah. So, you know, it's a, I guess it's like the animal feel-good story of the day. Well, it's also, I know people don't realize it, a horrible death. Uh, so many people should have to watch the films when uh, the uh, cows are slaughtered, the steers are slaughtered, the pigs are slaughtered, the chickens are, are slaughtered, and... <clears throat> Once you've seen that, you almost don't want to eat meat after that because you realize it's a torturous, horrible death for these uh, these animals. I mean, it's 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 that, and then it's. I mean, all the think about all the ancillary fallout. Everyone who works at these facilities is to have to, uh, you know, sort of compartmentalize the fact that they're taking part in such a horrific act every single day of their life and then going home and trying to be normal. Like, I'm not sure how you don't think that's going to affect the psyche of people. I mean, I think that should be looked into as well. That could account for a lot of uh, turmoil in the home environment. Well, so one up for the pigs as the pigs took out a butcher. Uh, And then New York City is challenging New York State's blockage of uh, the city's ban on faux gras. Which is like, I mean, that's another horrible way what they do with ducks. Uh, can you explain a little bit of that? 
Well, yeah. So it, it, you know, New York City had, um, you know, opted to to ban the sale of of that, uh, you know, because it's like the the cruel methods and uh, with you know with which they force feed uh, the animals for like weeks of their lives, and so it was banned. But then, of course, like everything, it gets stalled in the legal system. So now it's oh now it's going to be um, you know in in the courts, and New York City is challenging it. They're challenging it. Their right to continue challenging it. I mean, this is pretty much the speed with which you know the justice system in our country goes. <laughs> so it's going to be a long time, and unfortunately, it's not going to have an effect for for these animals for I'm sure quite some time. Now, if I remember correctly, they force feed the ducks so that their livers will artificially fatten up so that somebody can eat a duck liver. I mean, come on. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and the argument that the companies try to make, right, so it's uh, like the economic argument, oh, it's too much of a burden if we had to, to shift production, right? So that argument, while I don't think it should override any moral argument, at least that one sort of, you know, there's a logic to it. The other part is when they try to argue, oh, it's really not a big deal because, well, you know, we only do it for, you know, a couple times a day for the last few weeks of their lives. But it's like, yeah, but that's usually how long you're keeping them anyway. So it's like you're not really making an argument when you try to minimize what you're doing to them because it's a horrible life to begin with all around. You're just making it even that much worse. Well, it's the battle now that is uh, taking place about the treatment of animals raised for food. Who's going to make those determinations, the people who raise them, the government, or the people? Anyway, when we return, we'll be taking all of your calls. This is the Animal Welfare Hour. I promise all of you we will be doing a video once a week for a half hour on animal welfare issues that is different than this broadcast. Uh, if I can ever get the attention of so many people who work in our video division, I can't even count them on two hands. I get ugats. I get bupkis. That will stop this week. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Let's go to the phones, Nancy. It's uh, Stuart calling from New York. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour here at WABC, Stuart. Uh, yes, sir. Good evening. Um, uh, terrific work by both of you uh, on all the time, all the decades. Stuart. One little comment I had tonight on, I think, Nancy's comments with respect to the whales off the Jersey Shore. Um, I think maybe do a little bit more research. I'm not sure I necessarily buy into its uh, cause and effect with the um, wind turbine industry. Oil and gas folks are definitely pushing that. There may be things with more ships. There may be other things going on, poisoning, et cetera, et cetera. Before jumping on that, because people really do listen to you, please do a little bit more research and have a little bit more defense on that, or at least keep an open mind or find if there may be some other causes that may not 
um, you know, implicate and uh, unduly constrain this wind turbine thing. Because I think that's a positive generally. Hopefully we can work around it. But in general, I think it may not necessarily be a cause and effect. That's a clear, easy storyline. But again, um, do a little more research and see if there may be some other things that get to it to kind of, you know, um, be a little bit more objective on some of that stuff in your research. Aside from that, superb work, and thank you both for all the time that you spend on these things. Thank you, Stuart. And obviously we'll stay on the story because if a continued number of whales wash ashore who end up expiring, uh, it'll force uh, everybody to pay even more and more attention to that. And definitely, and um, like like to his point, so that that's why I was definitely suggesting that I think this is going to be like a long-term um, thing to look at because the first uh, sort of uh, question really is the people who are just looking for basic answers. Like, oh, well, what, what else accounts for it? Can you give us the information that you have of maritime information? Like, because clearly there's information at their disposal that they can hand off. So I'm definitely all on board for waiting to see what's causing this. Um, but it just seems like there's a lot of information that it would be great if they were just forthcoming with. So then you would know what was going on. So, yeah, uh, yeah. to the point, um, definitely wait and see. But let's hope we don't see any, you know, more animals washing on shore. Let's go to Joe calling from New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joe. Joe. <laughs> no, hold on a second. He's got the wrong one. He's no, distracted. Yeah, I got a distracted board operator tonight. I'm going to smack in the head. Uh, go for it, Joe. Yes, hello, Joe. Yeah, this is Joe from New Jersey. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I identified you as being from New York. Don't take insult to that, though. <laughs> never, never, Curtis. You're the best. <laughs> I hope uh, I, I speak for everyone. I hope uh, Nancy's uh, illness is uh, going to be cured, healed, and uh, by the grace of God, of course. And uh, I hope uh, she makes full recovery with all that. Eye issue. It's it's important, of course. Uh, quick cat question. Uh, three weeks. Cat. My cat is uh, with us. Ten years. Uh, she's just not eating uh, for the last few weeks. Three weeks. Uh, we had to force feed her today with uh, by uh, by hand, like a little baby. Of course. Uh, went to the doctor three weeks ago. Uh, blood work uh, uh, had no problems. We got some medicine for her ear, and we put it in, and it helped maybe uh, activate her uh, sense of eating. But when we try to put food in front of her, she just runs away and meowing all day. Meow, meow, meow. It's all we hear. <laughs> and, and they didn't see any blockages? Uh, blockages? No. The only thing they did say was a little uh, soreness in the mouth. Uh, I, I, We have something for her mouth, but I don't know. Would that stop her from eating? You know uh, what? It, okay, yeah, I, that actually would because um, one of the um, biggest things that cats have as they get older is they develop dental disease. So I've had uh, a number of cats where when they were outdoor rescues, mm. they've actually taken out all of their teeth. So depending upon the level of pain going on in the mouth, oh. if there is an issue there, that would definitely um, right away sort of stop that. So. Yeah, so it it could be that, Um, and again, like other things as well, so um, sometimes like little blockages because there are certain things that they can see, um, like on the x-ray, but then there's other things they can't, right? So if it's something that's uh, metallic, they can, but so there could be, and again, it could just be buildups of food during the year. So sometimes they do stuff that sort of like flushes their system, and then that sort of helps them 
like the first time around, just because I always give, um, when cats have issues, I always give soft food, like just exclusively, everything soft. Like I even do like baby food. Right. Um, everything is just very, very um, smushed as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But it could be that, it, it could be related to the teeth because, yeah, right away, if they associate that pain, they're going to not eat if it mm-hmm. right that first second. So, yeah, I wonder if it's... um. Uh, maybe it could be like a second opinion with someone who can actually really tell like what's going on with the mouth because that could be the the source of a lot of stuff. Let's go to Mike in Queens. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Mike. Uh, real quick, great show. And I'm just curious with this uh, destroying millions of chickens, uh, how are they disposed of after they're destroyed? I have this nightmare scenario of somebody trying to like slip them out the back door at $5 a pound. But anyway, I'll take my answer <laughs> off the air. Thank you. You know what? Okay, now that they're in like these are the questions that need to be answered because there isn't a clear indication of what's going on. Like I've seen certain stories where um, they've done this with pigs, and they show that oh they you know they uh, basically create um, you know they dig the ground and they're putting them in there, but I don't know if there's true follow up, and that's a great question, right? Just because they supposedly call them. I mean, it's still a business. I mean, maybe it's hard to tell where it's going. Yeah, we definitely need to look into this. I mean, we're talking millions of birds here. It's a lot of money. I don't know. I can't see them not trying to fudge a little if possible, right? Millions that are slaughtered. Millions. 58 million last year. 58 million birds as a a result of avian flu that had to be destroyed. Just the birds. Yep. That's incredible. And it doesn't seem like there is a priority uh, to deal all. with that because we're we're getting this now every year, every yeah. year. Yeah, they're telling you to put up um, a, a fence to try to keep out any wild birds from coming in. That's the level of responsibility they're holding these corporations to and then allowing them to cull millions of animals because of their irresponsibility. Let's go to Jerry calling from Manhattan. Welcome to the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC, Jerry. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Nancy, my girlfriend is 78 years old, healthy, self-sufficient, retired nurse. She's had pets all her life. Every one of them has been cremated up in Hartsdale, uh, the pet cemetery, which is a wonderful, wonderful resting place. Anyway, so now she's looking to uh, adopt like a senior dog or possibly cat. Um, you know, being that she's 78 years old, she doesn't want to necessarily predecease what she adopts, where can she go? She lives in Manhattan. We have to get around. What can you tell me? Well, I mean, certainly the, um, you know, uh, Manhattan uh, Animal Care and Control, they're on 110 uh, on the east side. So, yeah, they they always have, like, you know, um, senior dogs there. 110, 110th Street? Yeah, uh, 110, uh, 110, maybe like second. I have to look at the exact address, but it's, yeah, it's on the east side, uh, Animal Care and Control for Manhattan. Um, There's one, yeah, that's the one in Manhattan. Yeah, that's uh, the, uh, that's East Harlem. Uh, We've heard horror stories where people in their 70s go to adopt a pet and they're really scrutinized and turned away. Are you familiar with those kind of stories? Uh, well, 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 Jerry, I tell you what, uh, we'll get your information, and Nancy, would you be uh, uh, willing to guide him through the process? Because again, this can be a daunting task. You got to go to East Harlem; it's 110th yeah. Street. 
you got to go inside, all these dogs barking uh, because they recognize uh, that they could be euthanized. They they do that right next door. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it might be uh, very alarming and disconcerting when you're looking, uh, as Jerry is, for his uh, girlfriend. Oh, no, no. Yeah, to adopt I mean, and, and of course, dog. other suggestions as well, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so I'll bring that information to you. This way you can guide him personally through the process and hopefully – uh, it's obvious that his girlfriend is a animal lover because she's had animals before. But, boy, you know, you go to these shelters, and they got them cramped on one another. They're banging uh, against the cages. They're barking. A lot of them are in pain or they're scared and they're frightened. And actually, if you're looking at them, you're saying, gee, I don't want to bring that problem to my house. When they're really not a problem if they were housed efficiently and humanely. They would not be acting in that manner. And people, again, they can smell. Their sense of smell is ten times stronger than a human. They can smell death. Imagine. They know that it's just a matter of time before they'll be euthanized. They can smell that. And then when people come to visit them from outside, I'm sure they can smell the outside on them. And they just want to go, like, let me go with that. (laughs) Like, take me. Yeah, exactly. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jeffrey calling from Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at the Animal Welfare Hour here at WABC. Good evening, Curtis. You have a great show. Listen, I wanted to talk about the uh, the whales in, uh, off of Brigantine. Uh, apparently, they, they have to use uh, uh, sonar equipment, sounding equipment, uh, to find the bedrock below the ocean or on the ocean floor. And uh, there is, you know, uh, information that would, that would uh, show that the, the whales are being thrown off course as far as uh, their uh, direction is concerned, as well as, uh, well, it may be causing, you know, damage. I mean, they're very sensitive as far as their, um, their hearing and so forth. And that's how they communicate as well. And, uh, there's no question. This is not a, you know, it's too much of a coincidence to not be connected. You no, know, and I think uh, we uh, we will definitely promise our vast audience, many people who listen to this Animal Welfare Hour from around the globe, because you can get it on the app in your smartphone and your iPhone, and you can get it on the stream of your worktop computer uh, or your laptop computer, uh, we'll definitely do even uh, broader research because it's uh, it's eventually going to become a global problem as to whether it's overpopulation, and that's why this is happening, because whales have made a comeback since many countries are no longer whaling uh, as they used to. Or is it, as you mentioned, Jeffrey, as a result of the uh, so- uh, sonar equipment uh, that's under the surface of the ocean that they're using to try to put these uh, windmills into place to generate electricity. It's a complicated issue, but it's one we're going to continue to discuss because anytime you have an animal of this size just wash up on shore, helpless, it immediately causes everybody to run to the shore, except for somebody like Frank Morano who's shooting craps up to the barcada, and, you know, there's no windows. You don't know what time it is. It's this huge <laughs> whale outside on the beach. There's thousands of people who have come out to see the whale. But all the degenerate gamblers say, we don't know what time it is. We have no idea. There's no windows. 
We're just losing money. Oh, God. Anyway, let's go to Mike, uh, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Yes, you had a lady two weeks ago. She called from Florida. She says she has a feral cat in the house. She would like to catch it to have the nails cut. What you do is it might be attracted to catnip. You put catnip, in, if it is, in a carrying case. You put it in there, and the cat will run in there, and you close the door of the carrying case. And if that doesn't work, they have regular traps that catch cats where the door automatically closes. You put the food in the in the trap, and the door automatically closes. So that's how you catch a feral cat who's in your house because she says the nails are getting big. Also, if the nails are getting big, it could get big like a toenail, like a human being. It could be in big trouble. I have a second thing to say. Can you listen? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Sid, by the way, I heard him say, and he hates cats. They're ugly. Please tell him not to say, leave the cats alone, because somebody who's mentally ill hears them, they might beat up a cat or kill a cat. When they hear him say that, they'll say, hey, Sid said it. And they're mentally ill, these people, some of these people who listen to him. They may say, let's beat up a cat or kill a cat. So please tell them, leave the cats alone. Don't mention them. Mike, I promise you, uh, from me to you, Mike, uh, that I will be on with him 7.05 in the morning as I am every Monday at 7.05 and Friday at 7.05 like bookends. And I will definitely bring that to his attention. I hadn't even thought of that, Nancy. Yeah, you know what? I I completely agree because... There's really no reason to demonize them in any way because someone someone might take that the wrong way. And, you know, better to lead by example and, and, and show that you can be compassionate. Let's go to Hannah, who's calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal uh, Rights Hour here at WABC, Hannah. Hi, Nancy. I commend you. I'm also a legal blind woman who loves animals, and I live in the Bronx. There's so many animals in the Bronx all over and and I just want to tell you I need your help with that but the reason why I'm calling I have a personal I rescued a dog two years ago and on his birthday he collapsed and ASB, I got an appointment with HBCA they're pressuring people like me who utilize HBCA for low-income vet to put dogs and cats down that's the last resolution I want to do and my dog, I right now he is living, and I'm doing all these natural medications, like like um, Russian mushroom to like all these South Asian medication uh, vitamins, and he's doing much better. He's walking. I put shea butter. He's walking. He couldn't walk today, and now he's walking. You know, and I did all these like um, medic like natural medication. I wash him with if I may the brand. Um, that the Bronner peppermint oil shampoo. Oh, wow, nice. Uh, yeah, I did all this natural medication, and he's walking, he's eating again, and he's, like, jumping for joy, and I thought he was going to die. And ACS is now calling me and telling me, are you ready to put him down next week, Hannah? I'm like, that's crazy. Wow, that is unbelievable. The agency is looking to put the dog down, and Hannah, sight-challenged, is able to have revived the dog through holistic homeopathic measures that she used on her beloved family member. Yeah, and, you know, uh, uh, like uh, through the years, having to work with as many outdoor cats as I have had, I mean, you don't always have the budget, and you're trying to figure out what, what needs to be done so there's a lot of things that you can do, 
and you have to just, you know, sort of figure out, you know, what you can do really naturally. And then also there's the element of really taking care of an animal. I think there's that sort of, um, you know, you can't quantify it, but that level of care that is really emanates from you when you're caring for an animal with love and then they're feeling it, they're getting that energy and it's bolstering them and their immunity. So I think that's that's just another important thing to recognize. Well, uh, I have a mission this coming week, and that is to get our Cracker Jack video department to actually focus and pay attention and so that we can uh, actually film an animal welfare edition uh, once a week, half hour, different than what we do on the radio. You can always get this uh, on pa- podcast if you miss the actual show. In fact, you can go back to all the different animal welfare shows we've done here at WABCradio.com. But uh, we promised our listeners there will be a video edition. Uh, we will make sure we bring animals into the studio when we're filming so that uh, we can not only uh, talk about animals and care for animals, but show people uh, through the video of how you can better take care of your family members, your furry little creatures, who uh, in many instances are cl- you're closer to than even immediate family members. Yeah, this will definitely be an exciting new portion. Yeah, if I can ever get the attention of everybody back there, I don't know what all these people do, but I'm certainly going to find out this week. One thing I can guarantee you they're going to do after I talk with them is film this program, this special edition of the Animal Welfare Show, a half hour each week again. Thank you, Nancy, and swift recovery so that I no longer have to refer to you as Helen Keller. Yes, that's not, that's not really a term of endearment. W-A-B-C. I like to be in America. Okay, by me in America. Everything free in America. For a small fee in America. Well, well, well. The little boy who cried wolf was at it again today. Your friend, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, having another press conference at City Hall, surrounded by an army of his workers who do no work except show up at his press conferences as a backdrop. And he was complaining that nobody will give him money for all the illegal aliens that he welcomed into our city. Now, Dominic, after a while... Even a, a non cognoscente would say, the president is a Democrat. You call yourself the Biden of Brooklyn. Schumer is your friend. Hakeem Jeffries is your friend. You helped get Hochul elected. What is all this nonsense that you're crying that you're not getting money? What's the reason that they're not giving him any money? Uh, I wish that I had the answer to that question, but it is the million-dollar question because it's like, they tossed the uh, political uh, bag, <laughs> the the, the um, bag of no good uh, consequences to Mayor Adams, and he's left holding the bag, standing there by himself. And nobody, frankly, wants to hear the whining. No one wants to hear it because, Mr. Mayor, you opened the door yourself. You're the one that sent, you know, the commissioners there to greet the migrants. So the migrants are under the belief, New Nueva York, they want us there. So you open this door, and now you got to deal with it. And he can't close it. It's 
Too late. Ken, it's too late. The it's image late. of New York is solidified in their head. He showed up at the Port Authority. He said, I welcome all of you. Yes. Who's your Papa Chulo? That's me. <laughs> and now another harebrained scheme of the many harebrained schemes in which he wastes our money. Because this is New York City tax stuff. Okay, well, wait, 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 wait. Before you go on with your question, let me ask you a question. What would Mayor Saliwa have done on day one? Uh, would have told everybody, stay on the bus, you ain't getting off, and we're getting you the hell out of here. Really? Damn right. There's no room here in New York City. We got enough problems. You're a seeking asylum. We know why you're here. You're not seeking asylum. You're right. here. For the good life. Right. Understood. But you ain't coming here to enjoy the good life. So stay on the bus. Hey, Raj Baraka in Newark, right? You talk a good game. <laughs> Full up in Jersey City. You say you're a liberal progressive. Notice all these other liberal progressives. They're not saying anything. They're not saying, I'll take 10. Right. I'll take 20. Nobody's saying anything while Adams is left holding the Right, right. The man says to Hochul, take 500. Won't respond. You know what it is? They don't trust Eric Adams with the money. Let's be honest. I, I don't know if it's that. Why are you looking at me like that? Because he keeps asking for billions. You don't need $2 billion to take care of 40,000 people. I've done the analytics on that. They're not giving him the money because they don't trust him with the money. Why? Because every week it's another harebrained scheme. Latest one, the Ocean Liner Terminal in Red Hook. Here you have an entire ocean uh, liner industry that was encouraged to start here by the former Brooklyn Borough President before Eric Adams, Marty Markowitz. Remember, he was like the, the schnorrer yes. of cruises. I, I actually met Marty Markowitz on a cruise. It was the only cruise I ever went on. It was the Curtis and Kuby cruise for WABC, and it's the only cruise I'll ever have gone on. And there was Marty Markowitz, the schnorrer of cruises, asking, isn't there more bacon in the buffet? <laughs> they created this, and now they're going to put a 1,000 single, able-bodied men in that terminal, which you know that ain't going to work out. Because why the hell would they go there when they know they can get a hotel room at $500 a night that we, and, the and, sucker taxpayers, pay for? And start a fight and start throwing bottles at each yeah, other. Yeah, like they and, did at the Stewart Hotel. Right. They got arrested, right? And uh, stabbed. Now, you would think they'd be deported, right, for, that, for right. fighting with one. Immediately. No, no reports to La Migra, Immigration and Naturalization Service, ICE. So... How can you complain about no communication from the feds when you won't even talk with ICE? When you say we're a sanctuary city. These are men and women. I've seen them. They put on bulletproof vests every day. They're strapped with guns. They go out and they deal with the really bad hombres, as uh, Donald Trump called them, really bad hombres. And they get mistreated. In fact, Cuomo, remember Andrew Cuomo used to call them thugs, not not MS-13. ICE. So how are you going to have any coordination and cooperation when all the city officials, all the state officials say we're not cooperating with ICE? You're not. And that's why we find ourselves in the situation that we're in where the mayor opened the door and then realized that he could not stop what was going on. And we, the taxpayers, are on the hook for all of this. Why doesn't he just go down to the Port Authority, the buses come right there, and when they pull into the dock say, nope, you're not unloading them here. Uh, you, you know why? Why? Already measuring the drapes. Oh. That's right. He's raised over $2 million, supposedly for his reelection run. And now they're talking about him running for the presidency of the United States. 
Did this guy not learn from de Blasio? <laughs> Does this guy, if he really wanted to be president, do the job as mayor. Right, right. And people may talk about you as presidential right. timber like they did with Rudy. Or they'll talk about you as number two on the ticket. Right. But at this rate, you got juvenile delinquents running circles around the NYPD with the law and order mayor, Eric Adams, a bunch of teenagers that control neighborhoods in the city of New York. It's the way of life in New York. It's the way of life, and, and maybe maybe we have to accept it, even though I'll never accept it. Exactly. By the way, uh, do I have to hear him greeting you at the start of your program? I stopped the car to my homeboy. The Curtis Lewa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Lewa. Sort of, you know, there's a logic to it. The other part is when they try to argue, oh, it's really not a big deal because, well, you know, we only do it for, you know, a couple times a day for the last few weeks of their lives. But it's like, yeah, but that's usually how long you're keeping them anyway. So it's like you're not really making an argument when you try to minimize what you're doing to them because it's a horrible life to begin with all around. You're just making it even that much worse. Well, it's the battle now that is uh, taking place about the treatment of animals raised for food. Who's going to make those determinations, the people who raise them, the government, or the people? Anyway, when we return, we'll be taking all of your calls. This is the Animal Welfare Hour. I promise all of you we will be doing a video once a week for a half hour on animal welfare issues that is different than this broadcast. Uh, If I can ever get the attention of so many people who work in our video division, I can't even count them on two hands. I get ugats. I get bupkis. That will stop this week. The Curtis Lewa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Lewa. Let's go to the phones, Nancy. It's uh, Stuart calling from New York. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour here at WABC, Stuart. Uh, yes, sir. Good evening. Um, uh, terrific work by both of you. Uh, on all the time, all the decades. One little comment I had tonight on, I think, Nancy's comments with respect to the whales off the Jersey Shore. Um, I think maybe do a little bit more research. I'm not sure I necessarily buy into its uh, cause and effect with the um, wind turbine industry. Oil and gas folks are definitely pushing that. There may be things with more ships. There may be other things going on, poisoning, et cetera, et cetera. Before jumping on that, because people really do listen to you, Please do a little bit more research and have a little bit more defense on that or at least keep an open mind or find if there may be some other causes that may not um, you know, implicate and uh, unduly constrain this wind turbine thing. Because that's a positive generally. Hopefully we can work around it. But in general, I think it may not necessarily be a cause and effect. That's a clear, easy storyline. But again, um, do a little more research and see if there may be some other things that get to it to kind of, you know, um, be a little bit more objective on some of that stuff in your research. Aside from that, superb work, and thank you both for all the time that you spend on these things. Thank you, Stuart. And obviously, we'll stay on the story because uh, if a continued number of whales wash ashore who end up expiring, uh, it'll force uh, everybody to pay even more well, and more yeah, attention and, to and, that. And definitely, and um, like, to, like to his points, so that, that's why I was definitely suggesting that I think this is going to be like a long-term um, thing to look at. Because the first uh, sort of uh, question really is, 
the people who are just looking for basic answers, like, oh, well, what what else accounts for it? Can you give us the information that you have of maritime information? Like, because clearly there's information at their disposal that they can hand off. So I'm definitely all on board for waiting to see what's causing this. Um, but it just seems like there's a lot of information that it would be great if they were just forthcoming with. So then you would know what was going on. So yeah, uh, yeah. To the point, um, definitely wait and see. But let's hope we don't see any, you know, more animals washing on shore. Let's go to Joe calling from New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joe. Joe. <laughs> no, hold on a second. He's got the wrong one. He's distracted. Yeah, I got a distracted board operator tonight. I'm going to smack in the head. Uh, go for it, Joe. Yes, hello, Joe. Yeah, this is Joe from New Jersey. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I identified you as being from New York. Don't take insult to that, though. <laughs> never, never, Curtis. You're the best. <laughs> I hope uh, I, I speak for everyone. I hope uh, Nancy's uh, illness is uh, going to be cured, healed, and uh, by the grace of God, of course. And uh, I hope uh, she makes full recovery with all that. I issue it's it's important of course. Uh quick cat question. Uh three weeks cat my cat is uh with us ten years. Uh she's just not eating uh for the last few weeks, three weeks. Uh we had to force feed her today with uh by uh, by hand, like a little baby of course. Uh went to the doctor three weeks ago, uh blood work uh, uh had no problems. We got some medicine for her ear and we put it in and it helped maybe uh, activate her uh, sense of eating. But when we try to put food in front of her, she just runs away and meowing all day. Meow, meow, meow. It's all we hear. <laughs> and, and they didn't see any blockages? Uh, blockages, no. The only thing they did say was a little uh, soreness in the mouth. Uh, I, I, We have something for her mouth, but I don't know. Would that stop her from eating? You know uh, what? Okay, yeah, I, that actually would because um, one of the um, biggest things that cats have as they get older is they develop dental disease. So I've had uh, a number of cats where when they were outdoor rescues, mm. they've actually taken out all of their teeth. So depending upon the level of pain going on in the mouth, oh. if there is an issue there, that would definitely um, right away sort of stop that. So, yeah, so I, it, it could be that. Um, and, again, like other things as well, so – um, sometimes like little blockages because there are certain things that they can see um, like on the x-ray, but then there's other things they can't, right? So if it's something that's uh, metallic, they can, but so there could be, and again, it could just be buildups of food during the year. So sometimes they do stuff that sort of like flushes their system, and mm -hmm. then that sort of helps them like the first time around. Just now, I always give, um, when cats have issues, I always give soft food like just exclusively, everything soft. Like I even do like baby food. Right. Um, everything is just very, very um, smushed as much as possible. But <laughs> it could be that it could be related to the teeth because, yeah, right away if they associate that pain, they're gonna not eat if it mm. right mm. that first second. So yeah, I wonder if it's um uh, maybe it could be like a second opinion with someone who can actually really tell like what's going on with the mouth because that could be the the source of a lot of stuff. Let's go to Mike in Queens. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Mike. Uh, real quick, great show. And I'm just curious with this uh, destroying millions of chickens, uh, how are they disposed of after they're destroyed? I have this nightmare scenario of somebody trying to, like, slip them out the back door at $5 a pound. But anyway, I'll take my answer <laughs> off the air. Thank you. You know what? Okay, now that 
they're in like these are the questions that need to be answered because there isn't a clear indication of what's going on. Like I've seen certain stories where um, they've done this with pigs and they show that, oh, they, you know, they uh, basically create, um, you know, they dig the ground and they're putting them in there. But I don't know if there's true follow-up, and that's a great question, right, just because they supposedly call them. I mean, it's still a business. I mean, maybe it's hard to tell where it's going. Yeah, we definitely need to look into this. I mean, we're talking millions of birds here. It's a lot of money. I don't know. I can't see them not trying to fudge a little if possible, right? Millions that are slaughtered. Millions. 58 million last year. 58 million birds as a a result of avian flu that had to be destroyed. Just the birds. Yep. That's incredible. And it doesn't seem like there is a priority uh, to deal with that because we're we're getting this now every year, every year. Yeah, they're telling you to put up um, a a fence to try to keep out any wild birds from coming in. That's the level of responsibility they're holding these corporations to and then allowing them to cull millions of animals because of their irresponsibility. Let's go to Jerry calling from Manhattan. Welcome to the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC, Jerry. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Nancy, my girlfriend is 78 years old, healthy, self-sufficient, retired nurse. She's had pets all her life. Every one of them has been cremated up in Hartsdale, uh, the pet cemetery, which is a wonderful, wonderful resting place. Anyway, so now she's looking to uh, adopt like a senior dog or possibly cat. Um, you know, being that she's 78 years old, she doesn't want to necessarily predecease what she adopts, where could she go? She lives in Manhattan. We have to get around. What can you tell me? What's well, I mean, certainly here? the, um, you know, uh, Manhattan uh, Animal Care and Control, they're on 110 uh, on the east side. So, yeah, they One, they always have, like, you know, um, senior dogs there. 110, 110th Street? Yeah, hundred uh, one ten uh, to one ten, maybe like second. I have to look at the exact address, but it's yeah, it's on the east side. Uh, Animal Care and Control for Manhattan. Um, there's one. Yeah, that's the one in Manhattan. Yeah, that's uh, the uh, that's East Harlem. Uh, it's... We've heard horror stories where people in their seventies go to adopt a pet and they're really scrutinized and turned away. Are you familiar with those kind of stories? Uh, well, 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 Jerry, I tell you what, uh, we'll get your information, and Nancy, would you be uh, uh, willing to guide him through the process? Because again, this can be a daunting task. You got to go to East Harlem; it's 110th yeah. Street. You got to go inside. All these dogs barking uh, because they recognize uh, that they could be euthanized. They they do that right next door. Yeah, uh, and uh, it might be uh, very alarming and disconcerting when you're looking, uh, as Jerry is for his uh, girlfriend. Oh no, no, yeah, to adopt I mean, a senior and of course, dog. Other suggestions as well, for sure, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so I'll bring that information to you. This way, you can guide him personally through the process, and hopefully, uh, it's obvious his girlfriend is a animal lover because she's had animals before. But boy, you know, you go to these shelters. And they got them cramped on one another. They're banging uh, against the cages. They're barking. A lot of them are in pain or they're scared and they're frightened. And naturally, if you're looking at them, you're saying, gee, I don't want to bring that problem to my house. When they're really not a problem if they were housed efficiently and humanely. 
They would not be acting in that manner. And people, again, they can smell. Their sense of smell is 10 times stronger than a human. They can smell death. Imagine. They know that it's just a matter of time before they'll be euthanized. They can smell that. And then when people come to visit them from outside, I'm sure they can smell the outside on them. And they just want to go, like, let me go with that. (laughs) Like, take me. Yeah, exactly. Our numbers one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Jeffrey calling from Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at the Animal Welfare Hour here at WABC. Good evening, Curtis. You have a great show. Listen, I wanted to talk about the uh, the whales and uh, off a of brigantine. Uh, apparently, they they have to use uh, uh, sonar equipment, sounding equipment, uh, to find the bedrock below the ocean or on the ocean floor. And uh, there is, you know, uh, information that would that would uh, show that the, the whales are being thrown off course as far as uh, their uh, direction is concerned, as well as, uh, well, it may be causing, you know, damage. I mean, they're very sensitive as far as their, um, their hearing and so forth, and that's how they communicate as well. And... Uh, there's no question. This is not a, you know, it's too much of a coincidence to not be connected. No, and I think uh, we uh, we will definitely promise our vast audience, many people who listen to this Animal Welfare Hour from around the globe, because you can get it on the app and your smartphone and your iPhone, and you can get it on the stream of your worktop computer uh, or your laptop computer, uh, we'll definitely do even uh, broader research because it's uh, it's eventually going to become a global problem as to whether it's overpopulation, and that's why this is happening, because whales have made a comeback since many countries are no longer whaling uh, as they used to, or is it, as you mentioned, Jeffrey, as a result of the uh, so- uh, sonar equipment uh, that's under the surface of the ocean that they're using to try to put these uh, windmills into place to generate electricity. It's a complicated issue, but it's one we're going to continue to discuss because anytime you have an animal of this size just wash up on shore, helpless, it immediately causes everybody to run to the shore, except for somebody like Frank Morano who's shooting craps up to the barcada and, you know, there's no windows. You don't know what time it is. It's this huge whale outside on the beach. There's thousands of people who have come out to see the whale. But all the degenerate gamblers said, we don't know what time it is. We have no idea. There's no windows. We're just losing money. Oh, God. Anyway, let's go to Mike, uh, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Yes, you had a lady two weeks ago. She called from Florida. She says she has a feral cat in the house. She'd like to catch it to have the nails cut. What you do is it might be attracted to catnip. You put catnip, in, if it is, in a carrying case. You put it in there, and the cat will run in there, and you close the door of the carrying case. And if that doesn't work, they have regular traps that catch cats where the door automatically closes. You put the food in the in the trap, and the door automatically closes. So that's how you catch a feral cat who's in your house because she says the nails are getting big. Also, if the nails are getting big, it could get big like a toenail, like a human being. It could be in big trouble. I have a second thing to say. Can you listen? Sure. Yeah. 
Uh, Sid, by the way, I heard him say, and he hates cats. They're ugly. Please tell him not to say, leave the cats alone, because somebody who's mentally ill hears him, they might beat up a cat or kill a cat. When they hear him say that, they'll say, hey, Sid said it. And they're mentally ill, these people, some of these people who listen to him. They may say, let's beat up a cat or kill a cat. So please tell them, leave the cats alone. Don't well, mention them, Sid. Mike, I Go promise ahead. you, uh, from me to you, Mike, uh, that I will be on with him 7.05 in the morning, as I am every Monday at 7.05 and Friday at 7.05, like bookends. And I will definitely bring that to his attention. I hadn't even thought of that, Nancy. Yeah, you know what? I, I completely agree because there's really no reason to demonize them in any way because someone someone might take that the wrong way. And, you know, better to lead by example and, and, and show that you can be compassionate. Let's go to Hannah, who's calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal uh, Rights Hour here at WABC. Hannah. Hi, Nancy. I commend you. I'm also a legal blind woman who loves animals, and I live in the Bronx. There's so many animals in the Bronx that are all over. And and I just want to tell you, I need your help with that. But the reason why I'm calling, I have a personal note. I rescued a dog two years ago, and on his birthday, he collapsed, and ASB, I got an appointment with HBCA. They're pressuring people like me who utilize HBC for low-income vets to put dogs and cats down. That's the last resolution I want to do. And my dog, I right now, he is living. And I'm doing all these natural medications, like like um, Russian mushroom to, like, all these South Asian medication, uh, vitamins, and he's doing much better. He's walking. I put shea butter. He's walking. He couldn't walk today, and now he's walking. You know, and I did all these like um, medica- like natural medication. I wash him with, if I may, the brand, um, that the Bronner peppermint oil shampoo. Oh, uh, well, nice. Yeah, I did all these natural medication, and he's walking. He's eating again, and he's like jumping for joy. And I thought he was gonna die. And ACS is now calling me. And telling me, are you ready to put him down next week, Hannah? I'm like, that's crazy. Wow, that is unbelievable. The agency is looking to put the dog down, and Hannah, sight-challenged, is able to have revived the dog through holistic homeopathic measures that she used on her beloved family member. Yeah, and you know, uh, uh, like uh, through the years, having to work with as many outdoor cats as I have had, I mean, you don't always have the budget, and you're trying to figure out what what needs to be done. So, there's a lot of things that you can do, and you have to just you know sort of figure out you know what you can do really naturally, and then also there's the element of really taking care of an animal. I think there's that sort of um, you know you can't quantify it, but that level of care that is really emanates from you when you're caring for an animal with love and then they're feeling it, they're getting that energy and it's bolstering them and their immunity. So I think that's, that's just another important thing to recognize. Well, uh, I have a mission this coming week and that is to get our Cracker Jack video department to actually focus and pay attention. And so that we can uh, actually film an animal welfare edition uh, once a week, half hour, different than what we do on the radio. You could always get this uh, on pa- podcast if you miss the actual show. In fact, you can go back to all the different animal welfare shows we've done here 
at WABCRadio.com. But uh, we promised our listeners there will be a video edition. Uh, we will make sure we bring animals into the studio when we're filming so that uh, we can not only uh, talk about animals and care for animals, but show people uh, through the video of how you can better take care of your family members, your furry little creatures, who uh, in many instances are cl- you're closer to than even immediate family members. Yeah, this will definitely be an exciting new portion. Yeah, if I can ever get the attention of everybody back there, I don't know what all these people do, but I'm certainly going to find out this week. One thing I can guarantee you they're going to do after I talk with them is film this program, this special edition of the Animal Welfare Show, a half hour each week. Again, thank you, Nancy, and swift recovery so that I no longer have to refer to you as Helen Keller. Yes, that's not, that's not really a term of endearment. W-A-B-C. I like to be in America. Okay, by me in America. Everything free in America. For a small fee in America. Well, well, well. The little boy who cried wolf was at it again today. Your friend, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, having another press conference at City Hall, surrounded by an army of his workers who do no work except show up at his press conferences as a backdrop. And he was complaining that nobody will give him money for all the illegal aliens that he welcomed into our city. Now, Dominic, after a while, even a a non-cognoscente would say, the president is a Democrat. You call yourself the Biden of Brooklyn. Schumer is your friend. Hakeem Jeffries is your friend. You helped get Hochul elected. What is all this nonsense that you're crying that you're not getting money? What's the reason that they're not giving him any money? Uh, I wish that I had the answer to that question, but it is the million-dollar question because it's like they tossed the uh, political uh, bag, (laughs) the the, um, bag of no good uh, consequences to Mayor Adams, and he's left holding the bag, standing there by himself. And nobody, frankly, wants to hear the whining. No one wants to hear it because, Mr. Mayor, you opened the door yourself. You're the one that sent, you know, the commissioners there to greet the migrants. So the migrants are under the belief, New New York, they want us there. So you open this door, and now you got to deal with it. And he can't close it. It's too late. It's too late. The image of New York is solidified in their head. He showed up at the Port Authority. He said, I welcome all of you. Yes. Who's your Papa Chulo? That's me. (laughs) And now another harebrained scheme of the many harebrained schemes in which he wastes our money. Because this is New York City tax dollars. Okay, but wait, 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 wait. Before you go on with your question, let me ask you a question. What would Mayor Sliwa have done on day one? Uh, would have told everybody, stay on the bus, you ain't getting off, and we're getting you the hell out of here. Really? Damn right. There's no room here in New York City. We got enough problems. You're a seeking asylum. We know why you're here. You're not seeking asylum. You're right. here. For the good life. Right. Understood. But you ain't coming here to enjoy the good life. So stay on the bus. Hey, Raj Baraka in Newark, right? You talk a good game. <laughs> Full up in Jersey City. You say you're a liberal progressive. Notice all these other liberal progressives. They're not saying anything. They're not saying, I'll take 10. Right. I'll take 20. Nobody's saying anything while Adams is left holding the Right, right. The mayor says to Hochul, take 500. Won't respond. You know what it is? 
they don't trust Eric Adams with the money. Let's be honest. I, I don't know if it's that. Why are you looking at me like that? Because he keeps asking for billions. You don't need $2 billion to take care of 40,000 people. I've done the analytics on that. They're not giving him the money because they don't trust him with the money. Why? Because every week it's another harebrained scheme. Latest one, the Ocean Liner Terminal in Red Hook. Here you have an entire ocean uh, liner industry that was encouraged to start here by the former Brooklyn Borough President before Eric Adams, Marty Markowitz. Remember, he was like the, the schnorr yes. of cruises. I, I actually met Marty Markowitz on a cruise. It was the only cruise I ever went on. It was the Curtis and Kuby cruise for WABC, and it's the only cruise I'll ever have gone on. And there was Marty Markowitz, the schnorr of cruises, asking, isn't there more bacon in the buffet? <laughs> they created this, and now they're going to put a thousand single able-bodied men in that terminal, which you know that ain't going to work out. Because why the hell would they go there when they know they can get a hotel room at five hundred dollars a night that we, and, the and, sucker taxpayers, pay for? And start a fight and start throwing bottles at each yeah, other. Yeah, like they and, did at the Stewart Hotel. Right. They got arrested, right? And uh, stabbed. Now you would think they'd be deported, right? For, that, for right. fighting with one immediately. No, no reports to Lamigre Immigration and Naturalization Service ICE. So, how can you complain about no communication from the feds when you won't even talk with ICE? When you say we're a sanctuary city, these are men and women. I've seen them. They put on bulletproof vests every day. They're strapped with guns. They go out and they deal with the really bad hombres, as uh, Donald Trump called call them, really bad hombres. And they get mistreated. In fact, Cuomo, remember Andrew Cuomo used to call them thugs, not not MS-13. ICE. So how are you going to have any coordination and cooperation when all the city officials, all the state officials say we're not cooperating with ICE? You're not. And that's why we find ourselves in the situation that we're in, where the mayor opened the door and then realized that he could not stop what was going on and we, the taxpayers, are on the hook for all of this. Why doesn't he just go down to the Port Authority, the buses come right there, and when they pull into the dock, say, nope, you're not unloading them here. Uh, you, you know why? Why? Already measuring the drapes. Oh. That's right. He's raised over $2 million, supposedly for his reelection run. And now they're talking about him running for the presidency of the United States. Does this guy not learn from the Blasio? Does this guy, if he really wanted to be president, do the job as mayor? Right, right. And people may talk about you as presidential right. timber like they did with Rudy. Or they'll talk about you as number two on the ticket. Right. But at this rate, you got juvenile delinquents running circles around the NYPD with the law and order mayor, Eric Adams, a bunch of teenagers that control neighborhoods in the city of New York. It's the way of life in New York. It's the way of life, and, and maybe maybe we have to accept it, even though I'll never accept it. Exactly. By the way, uh, do I have to hear him greeting you at the start of your program? I stopped the car my homeboy. The Curtis Lewa Show presents Curtis's Art with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Lewa. 